Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you. The sound of the voice on the other end of a 911 call is almost always delivered frantically. The needs of the caller on the other end of a 911 call are ones that need to be met immediately. The services sent to a caller during a 911 call are always delivered efficiently. The stories, perspectives, and details created by these calls over more than 20 years are life lessons and legacies for everyone involved, including me. The records are archived for all time, like this podcast, digitally. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa. This is Digitally Dispatched. I receive a lot of calls about people who have dementia. Dementia has become a catch-all phrase or an umbrella term that not only covers Alzheimer's, but also different types of dementia. While Alzheimer's is the most common form, we cannot assume that those having dementia-related symptoms actually have Alzheimer's. Having said that, there are a lot of people with some form of dementia that don't want to admit that they have it or their family members don't want to admit it. Some don't want to or don't know how to take the steps to take care of their parents and or grandparents. In this episode, I will talk about a few calls that I have been a part of and how important it is to ask the hard questions when it comes to our mental well-being. Let's talk about some of those calls. A couple of years ago, we received numerous calls over several months, I guess, where this older gentleman would go for walks in the middle of the night. He had what they call sundowners. And this is where people who are suffering from some type of dementia, whether it be Alzheimer's or another type, they don't really know what time it is, what time of day it is. Their internal clocks are all messed up and they'll just leave the house and go for a walk because that's what they used to do back before they were losing parts of their memory. There was one gentleman that when he would go for his walks, he liked to walk on a busy roadway. Wasn't on the highway or anything, which is good, but he did walk on a busier highway. And we would get calls from passersby saying, listen, you've got an older gentleman that is walking really close to the roadway, probably because of the gravel and stuff on the shoulder. But regardless, he was way too close to the roadway and it was dark. I mean, we're talking middle of the night here around midnight. And we would always send officers out to check on him, maybe give him a ride back home because we got to know who he was. So we knew where he lived. We knew his wife as well. And we had her phone number on file at the police department. And we could always give her a call to come and pick him up, which happened several times. This one night, I received a call from a lady who was very upset, and she stated, I think a man just got hit on the roadway. And I asked her where she was located because, say it with me, people, what's the most important thing? Location, location, location. Well, she gave me the location, and I had a pit in my stomach. I just knew it was going to be our man that likes to go for walks. And she said, I'm not sure. I'm stopping to check on him. The vehicle that hit him went down the road just a little bit, but they pulled off on the shoulder. So they knew they had hit something, which was good. I appreciate that they didn't hit and run, but they took responsibility for what had happened. And my officers, we gave it out to them. They were on the way. My caller stayed on the line with me to let me know what his status was. And she said, ma'am, he's not moving. He's not talking, but I can't tell 
if he's actually still breathing because it's so dark out here and I can't really tell. And I said, that's okay. We've got ambulance on the way. I've got police on the way. Everybody's coming to help you and help this gentleman. And she stayed with him. I asked her what the vehicle that hit him looked like. And she told me it was a, I believe a white and color truck. And they had pulled over just down from where they were located. And my partner got a 911 call from the person in that truck. And it was a female driver. She was very upset. She was literally distraught. She was crying. She said, I think I just hit someone on the road. And my partner said, what do you mean you hit someone? Were they in a vehicle? And she said, no, it was a guy who was walking on the side of the road. I didn't see him. I didn't know. And we have those extended mirrors because we travel with an RV sometimes. And I I think my mirror hit him. And she verified the location, which was just down from my first caller. And we explained to her to just stay where she was. We got her name, got her call back number, all of her information, vehicle description, everything. We told her officers would be en route to her location just to sit tight. Don't leave her vehicle. Just stay there. She did. Officers responded to the scene. Ambulance responded to the scene. This gentleman was in his early 80s. And it was confirmed that it was our guy who liked to go for walks. And we went with the ambulance to the hospital to get him the help and care that he needed. Unfortunately, he passed away by the time they got him to the hospital. Because when the truck hit him, it hit him in the head. And he suffered from a head or brain injury. It's just so scary because he suffered from Alzheimer's. I know I said at the top that not all dementia is Alzheimer's, and it's not, but we knew his situation, and we were able to get his wife to the hospital to take care of things, and she tried. She did everything she could. She knew he had Alzheimer's. He, Well, he initially knew he had Alzheimer's, but she had a hard time taking care of him on her own because she couldn't keep him in the house. She couldn't make him not go for his walks. She tried locking the both of them in the house, and He was smart enough to figure out how to unlock the locks, and he would go for his walks. And she was at her wit's end, but there was nobody that she could lean on for help and didn't know where to go or what questions to ask. So that's why we're doing this episode, so we can talk about more cases like this. And later in the episode, we're going to give you some tips and hints and tell you what you should do if you think a loved one is suffering from some type of mental decline that's under the dementia umbrella. The next call is not quite as bad. It was a lady, and she suffered from dementia. Which type? Not real sure. I never actually got a diagnosis from her. She lived by herself, not too far from the police station, and she would, on occasion, take her little walks. Now, she didn't go out at nighttime. She was out usually during the day or late afternoon, and sometimes she'd put her around in her yard, which is something she would do prior to her diagnosis. Well, other times she would just stand in the middle of her yard and yell. And she would yell for help sometimes. Sometimes she would yell for her family members. And she had a neighbor lived across the street from her that always kind of kept an eye out for her. And he would give us a call and say, hey, she's outside again. Can you send an officer to come and help her? And of course, we would get the location. We would find out if she's injured herself at all. And he said, no, she seems to be fine. She's just outside yelling. So we would get an officer en route and we would chat with her. We knew her name, so we could call her by name. So she was a little more comfortable with us. And we find that when you use someone's name that is living with dementia or Alzheimer's, it brings them kind of back into themselves to where they they know that you know who they are. So they'll respond to you, even though they may not recognize you. So we would respond. We would talk to her. 
And we would, in dispatch, call her family members because she had a couple of sons that didn't live too far from our station. One literally was just a couple miles away, if that. And we'd explain to them, you know, your mom's been outside. She's calling for help. We need someone to respond to help her out. And the family members would come and take care of her. And sometimes they would take her home with them. Other times they would take her back into her house, sit with her for a bit, and then leave her again on her own. I think this is one of those cases where the family doesn't know what to do. They have one family member. Dad's been gone for years. Mom is still around and not completely mom anymore. And they don't know what to do because they don't know how to ask the hard questions. So later in the episode, we're going to talk about what those hard questions are and how to talk to a family member about what kind of care to get for them, especially when they're first diagnosed with a type of dementia or Alzheimer's. The fortunate thing is our lady never got herself in any kind of peril, never got hurt, but I found out recently that sadly she did pass away. She was in her mid to late 80s, I believe, and she went peacefully at home with her family by her side. They called to thank us for all the help that we'd given them over the years in caring for their mom. Now, I know those last two calls were pretty heavy. Now we're going to go on a lighter side, but still just as serious, but they're not as scary as the first two calls. This next story, I'm not going to go into full detail because we have a whole episode on Bob from before. Bob was a gentleman that had left home to go to his dialysis appointment, and he couldn't find his way home. I received a call from Bob's wife, and she was concerned because he hadn't come home yet. And we got his vehicle description, where he was last supposed to have been, so we could maybe try and find what agency would be close if it wasn't us. Fortunately, everything was us. He hadn't come home yet, and dialysis was only maybe three or four minutes away from their house. And this was hours later. She said that he was having a good day, so I thought everything would be okay. And he drove himself to his dialysis appointment. Now I'm going to insert a little note here. A lot of times when people have kidney issues or going through dialysis, especially if they are under the dementia umbrella, it can make them even more confused. It has to do with the whole way the kidneys and the body work. Sometimes it can cause confusion or make the confusion even worse. Well, in Bob's situation, the good thing was, The wife gave me his phone number, and she said he should answer the phone. Just let me know how it goes. Absolutely, of course I will. Well, I called, and thank goodness Bob picked up that phone. For the next 20 minutes, I was on the phone with him to get him back home. He kept telling me, sure, I'll pull over. Sure, I can do that. But he never did. He ended up in a county, two counties west of us. I did get him flipped back around and came back this way. He ended up in the city next door to us. He was physically okay. Mentally wasn't quite all there. He was one of the nicest people I've ever talked to on the phone. And we were able to get him finally to stop, which he did. And the agency next door to us was able to get their officers out with him. We got medics out there with him. I was able to get a hold of the wife put her on the phone with the ambulance dispatchers because he suffered not only from issues with his kidneys, but he was a heart transplant patient too. And he needed to go to a specific hospital. Well, we don't get to tell the ambulance people where to take him. 
but the family member does, especially when it comes to something like a heart transplant. He really needed to go to big barns down in the city because that's where the transplant people are. I put them together and they were able to get him the help that he needed. He is doing just fine. He made it back home fine and he's no longer allowed to drive. Yay for Bob. I'm glad you're home and safe. The last call I'm going to talk about just happened within the last two weeks, actually. It was similar to Bob's call, but a little bit different. And this is the call that made me go, you know what? We need to do a podcast about this because I think we can help some people out. Received a call from a young man. I say young man. He's about my age. So yeah, he's young. And he says, hey, um, I think I might need to report my dad as missing. I said, okay, well, where's he missing from? And what did I get? His location, location, location. His mom and dad lived in my city. And my caller, he lived in the unincorporated part of my city. So they're close by. He could go over to mom's house and do the report if he wanted to. And he says, I really don't know what to do. Mom and dad know he has problems, but they don't want to admit that he has problems. And we don't really know how to handle that. What can we do? I said, well, we we have a couple of things we can do. We can put him in as a missing adult because if he's confused, obviously we want to get it out to all the other agencies and everything. And if we enter him as missing, it'll go everywhere because it goes into the NCIC, actual real agency. And that's nationwide. It goes everywhere. He said he would call back. He wanted to talk to his mom about what to do. And he did call back and he talked to my sergeant. And my sarge told him, well, we can put out a message to all the surrounding agencies that says, if you come across this person or this vehicle, please stop and tell us what's going on and just give us a call so that we can let the wife know where to come pick him up at. While that's fine, I turned to my sergeant a couple of minutes later and said, hey, sarge, He was last seen at 10 o'clock this morning on one of the cameras by our police station. That was 10 o'clock this morning. It is now 5.30 at night. He could be five hours away from here. And Sarge goes, you know what? That's good thinking. He called the son back and said, you know, we're a little more concerned about him being gone for so long. How about we enter him as a missing person? Can you give us a call back? I got to tell you, maybe within 10 minutes, the son called me back, says, listen, I'm at my mom's house. I got the sergeant's message. Let's enter my dad is missing. I said, absolutely. I got enough information from him that I could start putting him in the system. Right then and there, it takes five seconds to get it all in there. Okay, a little bit longer than five seconds, but still doesn't take any time at all. While I'm doing that, my officers are en route to the guy who's missing in, in his wife's home to talk to them about what's going on. My officers are en route to their home so that they can get all the paperwork that we're going to need to enter him as a missing person. But on my end of it, I can go ahead and put everything in the computer, which I did. And the best thing that happened was that the son knew what kind of vehicle dad had. And he didn't know the license plate, but we could look that up. It was registered in dad's name. Fortunately, it was easy to find. I added that vehicle to the missing person part of the report that went into the system so that if any agency anywhere in the whole United States were to run him by name or by vehicle, it's going to pop up because it goes everywhere. That's just how NCIC works with missing people, wanted people, and so on. While I'm doing all that, my partner is also being very busy because in the state of Missouri, and I believe it's nationwide, 
you can put in what they call a silver alert. And what a silver alert is, I know y'all know what an amber alert is when we got kids that are missing or abducted or, or whatever. Same thing for a senior citizen who is missing, someone who's walked away from a memory care facility, walked away from their home, and they, they've not been seen for hours or whatever. It goes through a particular troop. In Missouri, it's Troop F that's located in Jefferson City. We give them a call and say, we've got all the criteria. This person matches all the criteria. Can we enter him in as a silver alert? And they said, absolutely. We faxed over all the paperwork. They're getting that silver alert entered. I've already got him entered as a missing person. So we're all gung-ho. We're going to find this man, right? Well, he had a phone with him. And so I know those of you who know stuff are going, well, why don't you just ping his phone? Well, we did. <laughs> but he he being an older gentleman, I don't know why our older generation will make a phone call and then they'll turn their phone off. Unless it's because of the early days of cell phones, you kind of want to save your battery. But he would turn his phone off in between phone calls. So the wife said, you can go ahead and give it a try, but it's been off for a while. We pinged it and we're up in the St. Louis area. His phone pinged in Springfield, Missouri. Did I just hear a gasp for anybody who knows Missouri? That's about four hours away from here. That's a long way to go. So we call Springfield. We had the coordinates and then his phone was off so we couldn't ping him again. We got the coordinates and sent Springfield out to see if they could find him. And then about 15 minutes later, get a phone call from Wyanot, Oklahoma. That's what I said. Wyanot, Oklahoma. They said, we ran a plate on the parking lot and it comes back to a missing person, a missing adult. And I said is the name. And then I, I gave them the name. They said, yeah, he's here in our city. And I said, how far into Oklahoma are you? And they said, well, we're not too far over the border, but he's still a good five hours from you. I said, my goodness, is he okay? They said, yeah, he's fine. He happened to go to the Indian Casino in Wyanot, Oklahoma. And he was having the time of his life, they said. He was very cordial with everybody. He was enjoying himself. He didn't know where he was. I wasn't quite sure how he got there. But the good thing was we found him because we were able to get that information into the system, get it into NCIC. And when someone in Oklahoma saw that plate, ran the plate, we found our guy. And we called the family members. They were able to go down and get him. About 3.30 in the morning, my sergeant got a call and said, hey, I just want to let you know we got dad and we're on our way home. So dad is home and he's doing well. We suggested that they call and talk to the Division of Aging and just ask them for guidance and what to do and, and how to handle somebody that's in their early stages of dementia or Alzheimer's. And they're a great resource to have. It's the Division of Aging. Every state has one. You can Google that and look it up for your state. We will add that as well as some other resources in our show notes. I know we just went over a whole lot of stuff. Let's take a little break where you can hear from my sponsors, see how they may be able to help you. And I'll meet you back on the other side with some helpful hints. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. 
Connect with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do you like what you're hearing during the Digitally Dispatched podcast? Let's have a conversation about how you can help us grow. Visit my website at digitallydispatched.com and let's find a way to get your organization, business, or effort to benefit from my focused and engaged audience. Let me help you grow your digital footprint and foster educational content on the internet. Open a channel now at digitallydispatched.com. That's digitallydispatched.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Hey everyone, welcome back from break. On this side of the break, I'd like to talk about some signs and symptoms of dementia or Alzheimer's. We're going to give you some helpful hints. We're gonna give you some great resources that you can look up. We'll have links to those in our show notes, which you can find at digitallydispatch.com. What's that? Digitallydispatch.com. Let's start off with signs of dementia. On a personal note, before my mom passed away, she was starting to show little signs of dementia. One of the things I noticed was that she forgot things that she had told me about years ago. I remember singing a little song and she's like, huh, never heard that. And I'm like, you're the one who taught it to me. What do you mean? And I kind of laughed it off because I'm like, nah, my mom doesn't have any problems. And then I came over one day and all three remote controls were sitting on the table. And I said, hey, mom, why are all three remotes on the kitchen table? And she said, Lisa, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm starting to file these little things that are happening because they don't happen all the time. And she was lucid with me 90% of the time, just every so often there was a little something that would make me go, hmm, maybe we need to keep an eye on this. Unfortunately, I lost her not too long after that had happened. So I didn't have to worry about how to take care of someone who was dealing with dementia. Let's talk about some of the signs of dementia, things that you might notice your family members are starting to show signs of. I'll discuss them just a little bit, but like I said, we're going to have the link to this article that you can go in and they explain it in a lot more detail, but we can just do little thumbnail sketches of them. The first one is difficulty with everyday tasks. This might be that they're having trouble getting dressed, taking care of themselves, taking care of their hygiene, things like that that we do on a normal basis. We brush our teeth every day, at least we're supposed to, and maybe they forgot to, or they forgot to take their pills, just the everyday tasks that we, we normally do. Repetition. This is a big one. They'll repeat themselves a lot. Now, older people tend to repeat themselves because I'm getting older myself, and I forget that I tell what story to whom, so I might repeat myself to the same person. That doesn't show that I have mental decline. It just shows that I don't know who I tell everything to. In this case, they'll tell you a story 
and then turn around a half hour later and tell you that same story again because they don't remember that they just told you. They might repeat the same story. They might repeat the same words. It's all about repetition for them because they're not remembering what they've already done. Communication problems. This is where they have a little bit of trouble expressing what their issues are. They know something's up, but they can't quite put their finger on it enough to tell you what's going on. Or they just stop talking completely and they get lost. Remember Bob and our guy that ended up in Oklahoma? They got lost because they went out having a good day and then ended up not having a great day. Personality changes. My mom was always just kind of laid back, chill, happy-go-lucky kind of person. Had a little bit of sarcasm to her. But I started noticing that she was agitated a lot more easily. And that wasn't normal for her. And you might notice personality changes in your parents, too, where they'll either shut down, where they used to be talkative. Now they don't talk so much. Used to be happy. Now they're kind of sad or angry. Or they're quick to anger. Something to look out for. Confusion about time and place. Anybody who's ever been in the hospital for a concussion, they'll ask you, what's today? Do you know what time it is? Do you know where you are? And who's the president? Those are the orientation questions. And this falls under the dementia umbrella because people who are exhibiting symptoms might not know what time of day it is or might not know where they're at. And remember our our first guy we talked about? He had that sundowners going on and didn't know what time of day it was, and he'd go out for his walk. It didn't bother him that it was pitch black outside. He was still going for his walk because that's what he did every day. He didn't know what time it was. Misplacing things. My dad had a place for everything. (laughs) He would come home, he'd empty out his pockets, and he'd put his keys, his money clip, whatever he had in his pockets in the same place every single day. And that's a normal, well, that falls under daily tasks as well. But then all of a sudden he just would stop putting them in the same spot. And that's something to look for with your loved ones. If, I mean, you know, your parents' habits and whatnot, you know that dad always put his keys there and now the keys aren't there. Well, where are the keys? He's misplaced them or he left them in the car or put them somewhere else or left them in a pocket. It's just one of those things that it's an everyday thing, but now it's becoming one of those things that he's misplacing things. Troubling behavior. Well, like I said with my mom, she was becoming agitated a lot more quickly. She was quick to anger, and that just wasn't her. And that bothered me because I know that that's not how she was. So like I said, I was starting to notice all these little things about mom, and we were going to have to go to the doctor. We just never had a chance to do that. If you're seeing that in your family members or your loved ones, take it seriously because something's going on. Loss of interest. This happens a lot, I've been told, where people who have hobbies, they like to knit or they like to put puzzles together or fill in the blank. They have hobbies that they like to do, and now they don't want to do those anymore. Or they have a favorite TV show that they would not miss every single week. Every single week, my dad would watch Matlock. My mom watched Golden Girls every single day, all the time, and they lose interest in it. So if you start noticing that things aren't the same as they've always been, Something might be up. Pay attention to those little things. And last but not least, forgetting old memories. 
At the top of this, I mentioned a song. My mom had taught me a song when I was a little, little kid about there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. And I was singing that to her one day and she had no clue what I was talking about. She's the one who taught that to me. So she was starting to lose those old memories. And if your parents are starting to lose those old memories too, you need to jump on top of that and be able to ask the hard questions. Asking the hard questions. Trust me, I know it is scary to watch someone that you love have a decline in their mental health. It's scary when they don't remember things that you know that they should remember. And it's hard because we didn't come with a handbook to know how to deal with that when our parents get there. Not everybody's parents are going to have some type of dementia or or Alzheimer's, but a lot of people exhibit signs of dementia or Alzheimer's as they get older. And if you happen to notice your loved one is showing those signs, you need to sit down with them and just talk to them. But how do you do that, right? Well, according to this website, which is from alzheimers.org, and I've added that link in the show notes at digitallydispatch.com, it says to communicate clearly and calmly. Use short, simple sentences Don't talk to the person as if they're a child. You don't want to talk down to them. Be patient and show them respect. Try to communicate with the person in a conversational way rather than asking them question on top of question on top of question. That's just going to make them defensive. I know it's it's hard. Asking the hard questions is hard. They are hard questions to have to ask. But this is something hard you're going to have to deal with. And as a family member, watching someone go through dementia or Alzheimer's, you need to step up, ask those hard questions, and reach out to the Division of Aging. Reach out online and find groups, find people to talk to. The links that we've added to the show notes, go there. They'll help you with how to handle someone that's in whatever stage that they're in. If it's early onset, you can actually talk to them about what kind of care they're going to want as things progress. If they're already beyond that point, you need to find a way to get them help if you're unable to take them into your home or be in their home with them. There are resources out there for you. Just be brave, ask the hard questions, and reach out for help. It's what they're there for. I have talked a lot in this episode And it deals with a really tough subject. I know you have questions. What are they? Reach out to me. Fill out the web form at digitallydispatch.com and we'll find the answers together. The calls, stories, and legacies I share are dispatched digitally. The lessons learned by all, the callers, you, especially me, are a piece of my life's unfolding story that I'm proud to share and are preserved digitally. Your thoughts, ideas, and comments can be sent to me electronically at my website, digitallydispatched.com. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa, and you have been digitally dispatched.